I am here with the great Lorraine Bracco. I am thrilled. Uh, Lorraine, I, she's pretty much done everything. Uh, she's won. She's been nominated for four Emmys, four Golden Globes, three SAG Awards, one Academy Award. She's of course uh, been in the best TV, starred in the best TV show of all time as Dr. Jennifer Melfi in The Sopranos. She's been starred in the best movie of all time, Goodfellas, as Karen Hill. Um, she's done everything. She's been, I didn't even realize this. You were on the cover of Vogue and Elle as a model. You've done a self-help book. You've done a renovation TV show. You've voiced in Pinocchio. You've been in TV series after TV series. You are amazing. And you have a huge new amazing movie that I saw yesterday, Josser, that is incredible that we're going to talk about. Congratulations and thanks for being here. You're so sweet. Thank you, Donnie. The movie blew me blew me away. Blew me away. It's in it's in theaters now. It'll be on Apple TV. Let's talk about Josser. And it was filmed during COVID, which kind of blew me away also. And it is a movie that is so right for the times. It is the story of a, a young Syrian immigrant making his way in Memphis. And we see everything that we see in the news every day in this country about the way immigrants are treated and racism. And you play a, I'm going to say, a kind of beat up, alcoholic, pill-popping, initially kind of racist woman, Meryl. Let's talk about the movie. You know, I, I read a lot of scripts. I'm sure a lot of actors do. And this script just stopped me. I really felt that it did speak about the, the divisiveness of this country, of what's going on, uh, how un, unfair and poorly we treat, let alone someone who is a Syrian refugee, but each other. The, the creators of this, or the director, or the producers, all are refugees or immigrants from Jordan, Lebanon, yeah. Mexico. Uh, the the young actor that played Josser just blew me away. Uh, yes. Um, and it just, that had to be particularly rewarding for you. Totally. I was, you know, when we, we did rehearsals before we started to film, because we had a, like a crew of 24 people. It was covid and that was crazy. And I found myself, I said, you know what? I could either be, you know, uh, uh, a diva about this whole thing and be really annoyed. Or I could say to myself, gee, if that was me or my children, maybe there's a teaching moment. Yeah. Maybe I could teach these kids what it is to make a movie and how to make a movie and simple things like the prop master, you know, the, the, the sound people, we had a big problem with a um, <laughs> with a, uh, a a brown paper bag, and it makes a lot of noise. A brown paper bag, and on a movie set with mics, it's it's it becomes overwhelming. And I said to the props guy, "Well, there's a trick," and he was like, oh, "What? What? What?" <laughs> I said, "You you spray down the paper bag with water." So when you go to crumple it and close it, it doesn't make such a loud noise. And they looked at me and I mean, it was constant things like that. Costumes. I made her make a book of scenes of, you know, uh, uh, of, of what, who wore what, when, so that if she had to go back, she had it on paper in front of her. And, um, uh, you know, it was an incredible experience. And, um, uh, and I loved it on many, many levels for that. It had a, it, it's, pro it, 
you had a different responsibility. This is mostly a cast of unknowns, obviously, uh, with the exception of you. And you come from a world where you work with Scorsese and Zemeckis and David Chase and these huge productions. And here, you, it's a, you could tell it's a bootstrap production. It's beautifully shot and beautifully written. But you, had, you probably played a very, you probably liked the matriarch on the set. Oh, yes, totally. Yes. And, um, and kind of a responsibility to shoulder all these young people along the way. And it was very moving. I, yeah. You know, I usually don't really like first-time directors because either they're so arrogant that they got that position. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that they, they know everything. And uh, that annoys me to no end. But uh, everyone on the set was like... Uh, trying to do their best under the under a really rough situation rough rough location rough uh, uh, financial uh, uh, constraints you it as I said in the beginning it's, it's obviously so right for the times we, we, we every, every every day we see either racism in the news like the other day when the the, the state legislatures in in um, Tennessee got got canned the two black they canned the two black guys and not the white woman and we see shootings and we see we see just immigration the problems we have and the way this world the way the trumpians of the world look at immigrants and blame everything on immigrants uh it's so right for the times meanwhile he's nothing but a lovely human being who has nothing, who's left his family, his sisters, his mother, his parents, and he meets this horrible woman uh, who who doesn't even want him to touch her cat. And little by little does Meryl um, understand that, that he's just another human being like the rest of us. Yeah, it's quite lovely. And what we, symbolically, Jasser is no matter what he gets thrown at him, no matter what it is, whether it's the immigration officers, whether it's Merrill's abuse, whether it's the abuse of his boss at work, right? He he just he he keeps going, and he and I thought that was a tremendous metaphor That's for the what American refugees and Amer- dream. Yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah. that the American dream? We keep going. I mean, you're I, you know. My grandparents, your grandparents, uh, great grandparents, they just kept going. No matter what happened to them, they were like, no, we're going to make this work. We're going to strive. We're going to learn. We're going to learn English, first of all. I know it is. It is just. It was. It's. I, I want to say it again. It's really important for people to see this film. I want to go back a little bit. I was doing my research on you. I didn't realize you. You went to high school in Hicksville, Hicksville High School. Yeah. Wow. Me and Billy Joel. <laughs> you and Billy Joel. Billy Joel was there a few years before you, uh, but the same Thank thing. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of years <laughs> before you. Uh, I want to talk about some of your your past greatest hits. Also, uh, when I was I was fascinated to see on the, Karen Hill that you got cast that you didn't even have to read for it that Scorsese had he would read for him for After Hours about five or six years before. And he calls you up and says, come on in, and boom, you sit down with him and Ray Liotta, and, and the part is yours. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, the fun story about that is um, Marty called me after I auditioned for After Hours, which, by the way, I gave a really good audition. That was a great movie. That was a great movie, by the way. W- w- which character were you supposed to play in that movie? Linda Florentino's role. Okay, okay, I got the, it. The, I got the it. punk artist. Yeah, yeah. You know, in Soho. 
And um, I gave a really good audition and I was like, I nailed it, you know. Then again, I've said that in other parts, like for Working Girl with Mike Nichols, and I didn't get that. But anyway, but he calls me and he says, listen, I think you're great. Um, uh, I want you to know I'm not going to give you the part for other reasons, but we're going to work together. So, of course, I hung up the phone and, you know, said, you know, Fuck it. Right, right. F you, <laughs> right, I hate right. you, you know, like a, like, like a typical, you know, uh, tantrum that uh, that I can throw. And um, and years later, there was the phone call. Read this. Read the book. Well, the truth is, is De Niro told me to read the book. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, and then Marty asked to meet, uh, have me come meet with uh, with Ray, and that was it. And Erwin Winkler, I always asked Erwin, who else was up for this part? Everybody wanted it. What's the story? He goes, nope, it was always you. When you're making something like that, which I've only watched it 150 times, do you know Do you know at the script point? Do you know when you're shooting when there's something that special? Where, where, where is it that you kind of go, no, no, this is, I'm not in Kansas anymore. This is really special. Is it? Is it in the script? Is it the day you start shooting? Is it when you see the film? When do you know the, the unique excellence of something like Goodfellas? Well, we... we- you know, with Ray, because really that's how I, you know, had all my scenes with Ray. Ray was, is, I can't even say was really. Um, Ray was very committed. He is, he was a, a, a great actor. He was, he knew everything, everyone, everywhere that camera was going. And I was kind of a little bit the loose cannon for him. I was like the unexpected. <laughs> the, Car- the Karen Hill character. That's what the character was. I mean, yeah. And um, and that always amused him. It was fun. We had a fantastic relationship. I mean, he was just delightful and smart, and and he was he, he was very very committed as an actor, and that made it easy for me to dance around. Yeah, yeah. So basically, when do we know? You know what? It's a combination. It's Marty. It's a script. It's um, Ray. Um, Of course, Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. And of course, uh, um, Pileggi, Nick Pileggi. Sure, of course. That's where it starts. And uh, um, it was a milieu that I knew. I was uh, born in Brooklyn, but my parents then moved to... to, Hicksville, but we moved into a Jewish neighborhood. In Hicksville, yeah. So when I told Marty, uh, well, I, I'm I'm a very confused Italian because <laughs> my mother was a war bride from England. My father was <clears throat> from Detroit, and um, and I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in Long Island. <laughs> So you kind of, you had the you had the Karen Hill got character down pretty well. 
Absolutely. Do you, the scene, the, the famous scene where you're walking through the back door of the uh, the Copa to get there, which there's one shot for the last four minutes. How long did it take to do that scene? All, all day and night, kind of. Yeah. I think we did about 18 takes. And, um, yeah, and it was, listen, God bless Marty. Marty is a, a phenomenal filmmaker. You cannot, uh, he, he is a master. Yeah, you know, clearly the body of work speaks for And, of course, so you play a mob wife, and then years later, a script comes along for you to play, uh, to read. They wanted you to play Carmelo Soprano. And you were like, no, been there, done that. I want to play Melfi. Well, you know, David agreed with me. He agreed with me when I said, been there, done that. And he really wanted to meet me. And I said, okay, uh, you know, fine. I had no desire to do a, another mob, mob script, mob movie. Uh, and my friends who were casting Sheila Jaffe and George Ann Walken just said, listen, he wants to meet you. You have to come in, do us the favor, read the fucking script. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll do it for you, but I don't want to do this. And I read it and I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is where this, is, this different. is special. This yeah. is different. This is a, and this a is long, other- this is long before you had great, writing movie quality scripts and productions on television. I mean, the Sopranos really oh, was yeah. the first one. It really changed the Melu. Well, wait a minute. We had the wire. You had the wire. That's true. The that's wire, true. which yeah, was, true. I feel exceptional. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. yes. I stand okay. corrected. So yeah. yes, we had the wire, but this was a, a, a different, uh, a different, uh, the, the script was fantastic. I was like, Oh my God, I love this. And I turned around and I said to everyone, I don't want to play Carmela. I want to play Melfi. And of course, everybody had a fit. What are you, crazy? It's the lead. Don't tell him that, you know. And uh, I went in, we talked. And at the end of the conversation, I said, listen, I want to play Dr. Melfi. And he was like, why? I said, because I've never seen an educated Italian woman on television or in a movie or anywhere. Wow. Wow, that's true. That's Wouldn't interesting. Wouldn't that be nice? Interesting. Wouldn't that be nice to have that, you know? And I said, and I'm a very different woman than I was when I made Goodfellas. I, I'm different, and I don't know if if uh, if I want to, you know, go there and do that again. I did it. I, I don't think I could do it better. I love the story of you, you see the, the pilot shot, and you're just blown away. And HBO had not picked it up yet. And you said to David Chase, I'm calling Chris Albrecht and tell him he has to do this fucking, he's got to give this a green light. Yes. Well, and I'd never called an executive in my whole career. What did I know? What do I know? And um, so I did. I called Chris and I said, what what can I do? (laughs) I, I have friends. I lived 10 years in France. I know, you know, all the people at Canal Plus. And he said, well, I already sold it to them for $2.50. So, you know, <laughs> he had sold it already. So um, I said, this is, I said, listen, Chris, I've made movies. I've been in this this business for a long time. Trust me, this is the best thing I've seen in 10 years. Yeah. 
It certainly was. And you you talk about the challenges of playing Melfi in that she had to be so controlled and suppress her emotions, which is so counter to who you are. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> Did you meet me? <laughs> yeah, very different. I had to, I had to like calm myself down, you know, and there were times where they would, you know, Terry Winter or David would go, all right. Let's do this take again, Lorraine. Let's bring it down 500 octaves. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it was hard for me. Not me at all. And sometimes I would be so worked up for a scene or something and agitated with him that, you know, they would say, yeah, no, there's no yelling at Tony. <laughs> there was no yelling at Tony. But you did set him straight a bunch of different times. I mean, I've watched... I've watched the series three times. I mean, I, I've sat and it just, it, it, it's my, my favorite piece of popular culture that's ever been done is the Sopranos. Wow. I, 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 if you put, so it gets a brand up? It gets a huge brand up. But if you put in, <laughs> if you put in movies, music, theater, television, that, me personally, there's nothing that's ever moved me like that. Now, obviously we lost Jimmy Gandolfini so young at 51. What a, what a brilliant artist and how much, fun and and that must have been and the how mo- working with an artist like it to work with an artist like that and what must have been just just incredible yes it was uh again uh like ray liotta very committed uh very serious about his work uh uh knowing uh, it was hard for him to play that mafia guy. It was not an easy role to play for months and then years. Not an easy uh, thing for uh, uh, for him. Uh, and by the way, so not like him. He was shy and... and uh, That's fascinating. Uh, yeah, it, he, he worked very hard at making uh, that role work. He certainly, certainly may work. You were disappointed in the way you, you Melfi character ended before the season finale where she just, she was at a dinner party and talking about, oh, and you know, if you're working with sociopaths, they know how to work, you know, shrinks. And then you just kind of let go of Tony. You weren't happy. You were like, that's not the way I think Melfi should have or could have done it. That's correct. I asked myself often, if Hitler came to me, as a psychiatrist I would treat him I would try to make him a better person which is what all I did with uh with uh, the Tony uh, Soprano character um yeah I don't think she would have done that I don't think she would have been like that no and she was turned on by Tony. I mean, she was fighting this well, that's very your repulsive opinion. Oh, I my opinion watching is that she was constantly in a that she was repulsed by him but drawn to him also and his his machismo and his uh uh I, I remember a scene with Bogdanovich where you were you were almost defending him and you you could just see the conflict, the inner conflict that you had about this character. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's your interpretation. <laughs> I had everything to press any sexuality um, because I felt that wasn't the right thing. Meanwhile, Jimmy would go to costumes and ask them to cut my skirts shorter. 
I love like, it. He was like, can't she, can't she have her blouse open a little bit? I'd be like, no, no, there is none of that. No, it's but you were so, funny. But you were such a, it was such a, as a, as a guy, you were such a sexy character. I, I mean, because you were part mother, part confess, you know, a confessor, uh, obviously a doctor, and there was this smoldering sensuality in there. I don't know whether you tried to do it or it just came out, but it was there. Well, I did not try to do any of those things. I tried to be as professional as possible, and I think that is all Jimmy. <laughs> That's Jimmy projecting onto me, onto her. Let's move to current day. What are you working on now? I'm not allowed to say just yet, but maybe in a week I could tell you something fun. Oh, boy, that would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, but I, Can we talk about current events? Yeah, I literally, you just read my mind. I was about to shift there. So uh, we're watching, obviously, the world in a crazy, crazy place. What I don't understand is still, still, and we're coming off a night, last night, Trump, I don't know if you saw this, he was on with... That that's the douchebag Tucker Carlson talking about how he can you not cover him anymore? I'm so sick of well. No, it's funny you said that. Last week I was on Joe and I said it's so boring at this point. It's so boring at this point. He's had years to talk, (laughs) years to 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 say and pontificate all of his thoughts and feelings. I'm over him. Next, find somebody. I'm I'm begging for middle of the road. Yeah, that's where the world we need lives. Middle yeah. of the road, America today. It's it's shocking to me what goes on. The whole gun control, abortion. First of all, since when does government have to tell any woman what to do with their life? I think of often what it would be like to have a, 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 an affair with someone, get pregnant, and not be ready to bring up a child. You know what that would be like for the next lifetime? Well, I mean, when I look at this, I'm on the board of Felix um, organization, and we deal with foster kids. Do any of those pro-life people go and take those kids and help them through school, through college, through just getting through life. We have these right-wing nuts now. You're talking about a scenario of somebody having an affair and having a kid. We have the we have guys that want basically a twelve-year-old well, that's been thing. Also, since when does the government tell the doctor what to do? Since when does the government tell a doctor who he can treat and not treat? You have you had a story not too long ago of a woman who had a a dead fetus in her, and he was like, "I can't help you. Go home, and we'll pray for you." And the whole gun control thing, I have a very specific feeling. Okay. Well, why don't you share with the class? Since nothing is working, nothing is working for this gun control. Start showing, and I believed it. When we made Goodfellas and people were very uh, disgusted by the violence of it. And I said, well, the problem is, is you watch a TV show, you, you, you watch, you play these video games, but nobody shows the reality. 
of what violence does to another human being. Start showing pictures of what it is for a nine-year-old to be shot with a AK-15 or whatever they're called. Show that on TV. Mothers will change this world. Mothers. I agree with you. Show violence for what it is. It ain't pretty, people. But that's how you can change. There's no, I, I have no other solution. We've protested. We, 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 we've watched hundreds of people get killed. We watch babies in, in, in schools get killed and it doesn't change anything. It's insane. Trust me, women will stand up. Women will not take it. Will not allow that. To think that that, I'll tell you something. This is crazy. I have a daughter. I have two grandchildren. And Vivian is, this is last year, I think. Vivian comes home and she says in her very nice private school in Los Angeles that they had a um, a drill sure. in case something should happen. That kid came home panicked. Yeah, yeah. Panicked, panicked. She was drawing out a, a, a map of the school and where she would go and where she could hide and run. And I looked at my son-in-law and my daughter and we almost didn't have any words. No. To say it wasn't, we couldn't say, "Oh, that'll never happen." You're in a, you know, a, a, a really good private school. We were like, we were stunned. Well, Lorraine, I you've been so generous with your time. The new movie is Josser. It's spectacular. It's in theaters now. It will be coming to Apple. You are spectacular in it. I'm going to predict an Academy Award nomination for it. That's just my opinion, one guy's opinion. Uh, and thank you for your time. I love you. You are very, very kind, my darling. I hope to see you soon.